Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. We're back to three days a week of the podcast. Why? Because it's September and people are drafting and it is officially almost that time a week from tomorrow is the kickoff of the NFL season. The Kansas City Chiefs got big fat rings and oh man, are they beautiful. They're beautiful. Patrick Mahomes gave, gave away a ring and got a ring yesterday. Yes. So big, big, big day for Pat. Big day for Pat Mahomes. Congratulations to him and his uh, lovely girlfriend. Uh, seems like he really did it big. I was like, man, you are a stud. In all sense of the word, total stud. Well done, Pat. I, I love I, that he bought himself the Ferrari before he bought the ring after the, <laughs> after the big contract. But I think he deserves it. I, I think it's, I, he did go all out. Uh, I was very impressed. It was a fun thing to watch. And the, the old rings for friend of the podcast, Tyron Matthew, showing off that ring, looking real pretty. Love the insides, has all the uh, scores, all the times they were down and came yeah. back. I, I thought that was a, a nice little touch, a little petty page like that one. I was like, ooh, that's a little pettiness there. I like that, just to prove a point. It it's, uh, was really nice to see. So congrats to the Kansas Andy Reid in, in classic form of saying that you could flash the ring for a free cheeseburger, free cheeseburger. if you needed to. I mean, just <laughs> – it was, it was perfect. That man will never pay for any drink – or food in the city of Kansas City no. ever again and, in his entire life. And one of the many reasons I'm damn glad he finally got that ring, because it takes away any argument from the idiots that would have anything negative to say about Andy Reid being a Hall of Fame coach, being one of the best coaches in the NFL. That ring finally was like the last straw that even like the, the craziest tinfoil hat haters can't say anything anymore. Absolutely. And leave it up to the Chiefs to do it classy as hell too. Man, that ring is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I'm happy for them. They're a uh, because I have so much family in Nebraska that are all, for the most part, Kansas City Chiefs fans because it's about three hour ride from Lincoln, Nebraska. Happy to see that happen. Happy to see Mahomes have a, have himself a day, and mostly happy for our friend Tyron Matthew because uh, talk about people that deserve it. Uh, he's at the top of the list, so very excited for for that organization. But what we're going to kick things off today with is uh, some news that we talked about on our last podcast slightly, but we, we want to talk about it more because it's massive news. And we also want to talk about it because guess what? We're drafting today in our TDN premium league. Two and a half and hours. Two and a half hours from now. And we want to make sure that people who are drafting today, tomorrow, ha- understand just how much pause we are taking with Alvin Kamara, right? And that is because of the news that came out, Alvin Kamara, the Saints thinking about trading them, all these things that have been reported, right? And Jamie, I'll go to you here because you're really high on Alvin Kamara and there are a lot of other people in the fantasy community who have who have thought that he was going to kind of regress or be at a point at which he was last year and not be the the same Alvin Kamara that we've seen year in and year out. So How much of a pause are you taking with Kamara now that this seems to have a little bit more juice to it than it did yesterday? I'm a little concerned. Uh, I'm more now than before. I'm not going to lie about that. But I also don't want to overreact in the sense that he has some room to fall. 
at this point, he's probably top of tier two for me. And by tier two, I'm talking to the Aaron Joneses, the Dalvin Cooks of the world. Uh, I'm not going to take him in the top three at this moment until there's some more clarity. I think at this point, you're, you're McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott are your top three. You're not really thinking about it. Uh, I'm still not going to take a receiver over him. Um, I if I'd probably take him over Jones and Cook, but I think you could if you went the other way there. I don't think I'd have an issue. I still think he's a first, a middle of the first round type guy. Uh, you know, just a heads up for our league. I pick eighth. You guys pick one and two. Paige picks one again for the second year in a row, even though she hates that spot. Jake picks two, so you two can snipe each other the entire draft, which we will go over in depth on our Friday show. Uh, but. You know, if Kamara is somehow still there at eight, I'm probably taking him. Like, I don't think I'm going to let him get by there at eight. But I'm also not confident enough yet until we get more information to take him at three like I was before. Yeah, I agree. I'll tell you the other thing. The news that's come out is he had an epidural in his back last week. They said back spasms, yeah. and then they said epidural. You don't get epidurals for back spasms. No. So something else is going on there. That really concerns me with his injury stuff last year. Uh, look, I mean, look, they don't put it out fake. It looked like it was put out fake yesterday. I think there's real interest. Their salary cap dead, right? I don't know if they pay him or they not paying Lattimore. They're they're not paying somebody. Their draft class was really really good, so it'll be interesting. I think they'll probably get it done. It sounds like him and Sean Payton had a little kiss and make up, uh, you know, come to Jesus this morning, and hopefully that works. But I told you, man, three days out, I, I just still don't know how they kept it this quiet either. Like that part is just insane to me. I agree with Jamie wholeheartedly. I'm still taking him. And look, if he ends up getting traded, he's still going to be just the same player anywhere else. I can't imagine his value drops on any team that he goes to. No, it might drop a little bit if he doesn't get quite as much much work or is on a quarterback that doesn't check it down as much. But he's still going to be a first-round talent. I just think it's a difference. You know, he's starting to split hairs between is he now that top-tier guy if he goes somewhere else. And again, it's all hypothetical until we know what the team is uh, if that scenario plays out. Uh, but the other interesting note to me on that is Latavius Murray's value because he's somebody that, especially if the Saints do make this move, I'm not anticipating they're going to bring in somebody else that's going to get a ton of carries. I think they would go with Murray and Ty Montgomery as their top two backs in that offense. I think Latavius Murray in that scenario was an RB1. Like I, I really think that at that point, given the way he, how much success he had last year when Kamara was, was hurt, the way they've used that offense, the way Ingram was using that offense before they brought in Murray – uh, that's the really interesting thing right now because we look at a potential different situation, but if you're looking at a potential James Conner situation from a couple years back, there really isn't that guy right now. But if Kamara gets traded, that could be Murray. I wondered if uh, you guys were going to be excited about Latavius Murray and what his value is. Because one of the discussions that I was having yesterday with some of the guys is, well, if the, Saint, the Saints got to be comfortable with what they have, right? If they're, if they're even entertaining this idea, they have to be comfortable with what they have in their backfield. That's what this says to me. Uh, otherwise, you can't imagine. Because, Jake, you can talk about this. I mean, the Saints and the Bucks are in a very similar window of time. because, And the Bucks are in a better in a better window, right? They're not exactly similar. But when you have two older quarterbacks, okay, you don't have 10 years from now. You don't have five years from now. You're looking at the next, you're looking at this year and you're looking at next year. And that's where, when I look at the Saints, there is no chance that you can tell me that this team is as good without Alvin Kamara as they are with. I just don't, I, I just don't agree with that. And maybe the Saints think that they're in a better place than, than we do. Maybe they know something. They're obviously inside that locker room that we don't. Maybe that injury is worse than, than we know, and the epidural is a big thing. There's a lot of question marks here. 
I'm just from a strictly football perspective, I look at this and I go, this doesn't make sense for the Saints. I think it might be a game and a half difference. They might be a game and a half worse without Alvin Kamara. You can defend them completely differently with Latavius Murray, who was really good last year, Jamie. That was a great point. When he filled in, he was big. And if he's the guy, if they trade him, I think they got to get a player back. Let's use Pittsburgh, for example. Pittsburgh wants to trade James Conner and a three and get back Alvin Kamara. And they've got the money that they tried to get Le'Veon Bell with, and they can give him a, maybe. I think that if they, did, if they do it, they got to get a player back. They can't go in with Ty Montgomery. How all of a sudden Ty Montgomery is a thing? Like, Ty Montgomery hasn't been a thing in five years, wearing 88 playing running back. Like that, Latavius Murray I'd like, but they got to get something back uh, other than just a draft pick if they do move him. I think they get this deal done. Good for him is they get it, he is going to get it done before the season when I think they've been trying to push it off to the offseason. Yeah, it's I, – I don't blame him. He – especially when you look at the other running backs in the kind of tier, I, I think the good morning football was having this discussion around, like, basically the the difference in the scope here in the range for running backs. Because it's kind of all over the map, right? There's different deals. There's David Johnson. There's Joe Mixon got his deal. Melvin Gordon, who's been a top back, sat out and then ended up not getting what he wanted and, and didn't get a big time deal. Dalvin cook still doesn't have a deal. We don't know what that's going to look like, but everybody's kind of looking at this McCaffrey deal. And unfortunately for all the other running backs, they have to just take that and throw it out because it's not really relevant to anybody else in the league. The only one that maybe depending on how the season goes, Saquon Barkley is probably going to be up in that threshold, but Zeke and Saquon and Christian McCaffrey are just in this tier that doesn't really exist for anybody else. And I think that's the problem is everybody's looking up and going, well, Christian McCaffrey got, and well, guess what? You're, you're not no, the face nobody's... of your franchise. Christian McCaffrey's the face of his franchise. That, and they that build the entire offensive structure around you the same way that the Cowboys did with Zeke, with Ezekiel Elliott and the way that Carolina is having to, and by the way, Carolina is a very young team and not having to pay a lot of players right now. So they can afford that sort of a deal. The, the, the issue here for the saints is, is it's this simple. It's this year. There's a good chance we are, we're going to watch the final 16 to 20 games of Drew Brees' career this year. And, that, and at that point, Sean Payton might believe it, but I don't believe Taysom Hill is going to make them a Super Bowl contender next year. I, I, he might believe it. I don't. They might be able, after a couple of years of cap hell, to get creative and push back in again. They still have a lot of young pieces like Lattimore, like Michael Thomas, if they sign Camara as well. I mean, they're going to have pieces, but – you're trying to win the Super Bowl this year because it might be a few more years before you're back in that contention spot. Lo- losing Kamara makes them worse. It simply does. And I, 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 losing Kamara even versus letting him walk, like even if you don't get a deal done, let him walk in a 2022 third round comp. You're still trying to win a Super Bowl this year. And you're going to be, no matter what you get back. Now, if somebody just absolutely blows your doors off and gives you a first round pick, I, I'd understand on, on some level. But otherwise... I don't under, like you're trying to win this year. I don't know what you're going to gain by getting a two or getting a play or like James Conner in a third this year. I, I, I don't, yeah, you'll get some cap flexibility down the road, but if he's going to, if he's going to be on the field for you at any point this year, it's not like, well, if I don't get a new contract, I'm not playing. I think the upside of what he can bring you this year is you're trying to win a Super Bowl plus a comp pick in 2022 is worth more than what they could probably get on the open market unless a team gets desperate. Unless, I think yeah. that's where they're at, though, Jamie. I think I think that he's kind of pushed to the point where he sat out for three days and they used the epidural. I think he's he's at that point. If we don't get this done, yeah. I might not play. It's, I mean, 
It's unfortunate. Yeah, then it forces their hand. Yeah. Yeah, it, that that is if there are things right that are happening behind the scenes that we don't know, which I'm sure that there are, right? This changes the dynamics. But strictly, this goes to what we talked about. What's in our team, guys? That that's in our premium membership right now, and it is where is your franchise, right? What phase of your franchise is your team in? And the Saints are in the definition of win now mode, like the definition of win now mode because of not only because of Drew Brees and, and his age, but because of the cap hit that they're going to take when he inevitably retires. Okay. So that's where I understand the draft capital and going, Ooh, we could get a first rounder potentially, potentially for Alvin Kamara. That doesn't make sense though, because you're trying to win right now. What does a first rounder next year do for this? Drew Brees might not even play football next year. And I don't think you're going to get a first rounder. Maybe you do. I just, I don't know. It doesn't make, uh, unless there's, unless Alvin. It only Kamara, makes sense if he said, I'm not playing. Yes. And they feel like their hand is forced and they're 100%. not going to give him 14 million and he's not coming off of it or whatever, you know, whatever the number is. 100%. And they move him and get something back. And yeah. you don't just let him walk and get nothing. You're always building for the future for me. Like just where GMs and head coaches can see things a little bit differently. If he's forcing their hand, he might not have a choice. Yeah, Look, if he's like yeah. three days completely under the radar, and now it's every microscope them. in the freaking country is on what's going on there. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see how this plays out because it looks like there's a mix of like they've kissed and made up, kind of, but they're still open to moving him. Slash, Camaro's like, I still want this deal. So we'll see if maybe all this hoopla either pushes him towards a deal one way or the other with each other or with another team. But I, don't, I still have a hard time believing a team is going to give up a first-round pick to then pay Kamara $14 million a year. I agree. But you never know, right? It's possible. How about this one? How about this one? San Francisco, Raheem Mostert, and a pick. They get Kamara back. They've got some cap room left. I don't even want to think about Kamara in, in that offense. It'd be ridiculous. I hope that happens. Ridiculous. I hope that happens for his fantasy value because somehow he will be better than we've seen him. Most of it would fit. He's young and cheap, youngish and cheap. That would help their cap. They get a pick back. They move the guy they can't pay. Camaro's gonna. Be, I just don't know if stuff out there, man. I, that's that's yeah. no inside information or nothing. So if it comes out as me just totally speculating, but <laughs> that would uh, listen. That would make sense. That'd but be, it that is, would be is Kyle Shanahan going to commit to paying a running back, or is he going to do the thing where I can literally pull a guy off his couch and get eight hundred yards in my in my zone blocking scheme? Like that's we'll see. The potential there, again, talent still matters, but like this, being in that Shanahan offense raises the floor for guys so high that you're able to get great production out of good players. Imagine what he can do with Kamara. Yeah, that's an exciting proposition. Uh, Listen, if I trust any GM to pull off some shenanigans ahead of this, it's John Lynch, because John Lynch has been known to be aggressive. He'll go try and make calls. That would be That'd be an interesting fit, especially with the lack of weapons on offense that they have. It'd be very interesting to see if that could get done. As we said, no, that's not a report. Okay. We're just speculating. We're having a little fun on the podcast today. Uh, Jamie, it is that time of the podcast where you get to host uh, and I give you over the reins and you inevitably, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Take, take over. So go ahead. Uh, Today's AFC and NFC West. Yeah, so we're going to wrap up our biggest question series today with the two Western Divisional teams. Let's start with a team that got those shiny new rings, the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. The big question this year is, will a non-Tyreek Hill wide receiver 
emerge. There are a lot of people on the Mecole Hardman train in a 12-team league, PPR. Are any other wide receivers going to be worth having on your fantasy team this year? Not Kelsey, not tight ends, any other wide receivers not named Tyreek Hill? Yeah, mama. Uh, (laughs) Sammy Watkins is still making a lot of money, and he's still there, but I hate it. And banged up. Hardman is Hardman is Tyreek Hill in a smaller version that's not as fast, but is a thing in that offense. Maybe. I don't think so. I'm not I'm not touching it on any of my teams. I mean, those guys are still floating around late. You think you can grab one. I just I don't see any value there. For them to win, somebody better emerge as a solid real receiver, not these flash little guys that are fast and moving all over the place. That's what Sammy Watkins did at times last year, but it wasn't consistent. I just think for from a fantasy perspective that you see Hill, right, and you see Kelsey and you see Clyde Edwards-Alaire and you have a lot of excitement around those guys. But for them to win, they can probably do what very similar to what they did last year, Jake, where you're alluding to where maybe Watkins is the guy one week and Demarcus Robinson is the guy next week and Nicole Hardman's the guy that gets a little bit more of the target share the following week. And that's they can do that from a football perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, that's going to put you in, I'm playing a guessing game on who's going to have the week that week. And I just think that that's inevitably what probably is going to happen here. I understand that this Chiefs offense is, you're excited about it. It's Mahomes, it's Andy Reid, I get it. I understand why you would be excited about all of these options. I just don't think that you can definitively say Demarcus Robinson is going to be the guy that I'm excited about this year or Sammy Watkins or Mecole Hardman. I think all of them will have great games. I just can't tell you if it's going to be week one or week 17. So I don't want to touch any part of that until, until I see point. some consistency. It's a great point, Paige, because coaching matters. And Andy Reid's going to scheme it up for whoever he thinks has the best matchup that week. Exactly and he doesn't right. give a damn same number two every week and if you're defending them you're going to try your best to defend Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and hope you have a linebacker that can run like damn hell and cover Clyde Edwards out of the backfield Andy's going to see that and means I'm going to scheme it up for somebody else go back to week one last year Sammy Watkins against Jacksonville was freaking unbelievable he touched that again the rest of the year but it was all schemed up he was wide open for what two or three touchdowns so For coaching matters in the football. So, but fantasy-wise, no, I don't trust any of them to be that guy week in and week out. I have Mikkel Hardman around that, like, Alan Lazard territory, where it's like you're taking a bench flyer. Uh, if you're in a best ball league, I do think Mikkel Hardman's worthwhile because I think there's going to be three or four weeks that he spikes and it's worthy of being in your mm-hmm. lineup. Um, and obviously, those are deep bench, no waivers. So he's a player I, I would target there. Sammy Watkins could have 14 straight 20-point fantasy games, and I still wouldn't feel confident playing him in, in week 16. Like, I just I, – I can't help it. I just – it's just the way his career has gone for the entirety of it. Um, so I'm with you. If I, if I had to take one, it's Miko Harmon, but it's a flyer at best. Uh, I, I don't think it, it's anything you're going to feel confident in starting on a weekly basis. So that's why best ball is probably best for him. Let's move on to the Denver Broncos, and it's the big question in real life as well as fantasy. Uh, is Drew Locke the answer? Uh, I think as his record was really good down the stretch four and one, I will caution that I am of the belief that we have kind of, we are as a fantasy community and as Denver Broncos fans, for those that are out there that are listening, have looked at every single thing he did last year through the rosiest color glasses humanly possible. What do you guys think? Because the value of Cortland Sutton, the value of their two running backs a little bit depends on how Drew Locke plays this year. Their offensive line still worried. Their weapons, the answer is yes. 
he's going to be there for a while. He's going to be a really solid quarterback. I think he can grow. And the weapons that he has that are young are freaking ridiculous. I mean, Royce Freeman's your third running back? Yeah. You got a tight end. You got three receivers. The defense is still pretty solid. He looked okay. Now, the answer to what? Is he John Elway and Peyton Manning are going to bring a Super Bowl no. there? I don't know about all that. But he's going to be their quarterback for a while. He's going to be an upgrade of what they've had. Probably the quarterback position other than Peyton's first year when he went nuts, but the second year's arm was dead. Uh, and they've struggled ever since. So, yeah, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be really solid. Is he ever going to be elite? I don't know. I think he has the potential to do that, but he's got to grow. But how much – I mean, you can't build it around him any better. Yeah, I don't think you can definitively say based off of the small sample size that we saw last year um, what you're going to get. And I think a cautionary tale to that is the Baker Mayfield hype that led into year two that was last year, right? It, it, it seemed like that was this is a very similar situation where you're looking at all the weapons, you're seeing, okay, we saw all these positives, but as we talk about on the show all the time, the second time around, the second time defenses scheme up for, for these quarterbacks, the sophomore slump is a real thing that year two coming back. It can, these are things that, that exist for a reason. They're not, they're not things that everybody talks about and they're non-existent for, for this select situation. So I'm hesitant because it's so fresh in my mind, having watched Baker, who everybody was excited about, and all the weapons that they had, and it was a disaster. And I'm not saying Denver is going to be a total disaster, but you play in a really tough division. Uh, I haven't seen enough of Drew Locke yet. It's it, there's there's a lot of question marks for me. I think that's where I put Drew Locke, and I just put a question mark next to him. I think there's plenty of opportunity for upside, but I don't think you could, unless you're a Broncos fan and you got rose-colored glasses on, as Jamie said. I don't think you could positively say definitively, well, I know that he's going to be this type of player and we're going to get this, this, and this. I, I just don't see that at this point. They also didn't run it a ton last year. So they want to run it. They want to run it. They want to play action off of that. It's not what he did in college. It's not what he did last year. Um, that'll be interesting too. I mean, if Vic really sticks with, we're going to run this thing and we're going to play action off of that, but we drafted these receivers. I mean, look, the tight end's a second year guy. And Fant, who's good but needs to grow, two of those guys are rookies. Cortland Sutton's a superstar. I don't – I mean, yes, he's going to be your guy for a while. He's, yes, he's got a lot of growth. And, yes, they build it to the fact where he can be really successful, I think. But I think it's going to start slow. I think the first eight weeks of this year with the rookies and all this and the new offensive line is going to be interesting. If he can stay afloat, I think he could really finish strong the second half of the season. Yeah, that, that's where I am on him as well. I, I think I'm going to use a phrase I used last year when we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo injuring the season. And I'm on team I don't know. And it feels like there are too many people that are definitively pounding the table that Drew Locke is going to be not, – not that he's going to be the starter. We all know he's going to be the starter and he's going to get every opportunity to succeed for the next few years, but that he's great or he's really good. I want to see it because, first off, the tackle situation in Denver is beyond problematic. And that's going to, that scares me with a young quarterback that's going to be hitting the ground a lot. Uh, two – he didn't, you know, he didn't have great connection with some of those guys late last year. Like he had one good game with Cortland Sutton. And in the final month of the year, Cortland Sutton got outscored in fantasy by Deshaun Hamilton. Okay. Noah Fant, he had one good play with. So I think everybody projecting these massive jumps in fantasy value for Cortland Sutton or for Noah Fant or for even Jerry Judy coming in as a rookie, you need to temper those expectations. He's going to get hit a lot. It's a run first team with two really damn good running backs that they're going to rely on to set the, set the pace. They want to be a defense ball control team. That's what Vic Fangio wants this team to be. 
so I have a little bit concerned for fantasy wise of people that are expecting this, this massive passing offense that I just don't think is going to be there. But uh, I am curious to see how he progresses over the course of the season because like Jake said, I expect a lot of bumps early on. And we always talk about the punch counter punch. I want to see what the counter punch is from Julak when he gets hit around a bit, when he starts losing games here or there, when, okay, what's the counter punch when the league starts adjusting back to you. Uh, and I'm excited to see how he can handle that situation. They, they play the bucks in week three or four, which I'm glad we're catching them early, but you're going to catch Todd Bowles defense while you're still trying to figure it out with that offensive line is blitzing coming at that, that kind of, those kind of defenses are going to be really, really interesting to see as a young player. The thing I'll say before we jump off this, playing last year coming in, the last five games, you got nothing to lose. You can just wing it. I'm glad you, brought, I'm glad you brought that up. I said about Kyler Murray, too. Like, going into year two, you now have expectations. You're now the guy. You now got the hype. You put more pressure on yourself, but you can't also just freewheel it and gunsling it and eh, whatever happens, happens, right? Now you, you're going to hold on a little bit. You're going to aim it a little bit more. You're going to double read that – all that stuff plays in. I think that's why the sophomore slump page you were talking about really is a thing. But uh, I think it all says to starting slow. But, I mean, they build it around him to be successful other than that offensive line. Yeah, a lot of times rookie quarterbacks are starting on teams that are bad, that don't have a lot of expectations. They got drafted early. These are the things that happen. And so you get to come in and you get to throw your favorite term, reckless abandonment, right? You get to go around and do whatever you want and throw the ball, and there's no, there's no expectations for playoffs. But all of a sudden – there's a lot of expectations in Denver. There's a lot of expectations for Kyler Murray, like you brought up. Um, so it, it changes the dynamics for sure. One thing, I want to throw one thing before we get off this conversation. I'm going to throw some names at you. Mike Vrabel, Keith Butler, Todd Bowles, Greg Williams, Bill Belichick. The first five defenses he faces out of the gate this year. Oh, my God. Yeah, I take that. I, I mean, that slow. is a they're murderer's gonna, row for a young quarterback. They're going to start off freezer burn. They're not going to start off slow. Like, that's – that's when he, when he gets through that, he's not going to see anything after that he hadn't seen already. That's for sure. Because that's going to be exotic and coming from everywhere, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. good luck, Those buddy. first five weeks, he is going to be, he is going to be tested. Uh, I, I mean, beyond tested in that spot. So just be uh, – that's also maybe a caution, as we brought up last year, when we, when we talked about the Browns starting slow and then bouncing back in the second half. That was a, the big theme. That might be Denver again this year. Like, let, don't, don't rush to go to the other side of the pendulum after the first month of the year either because that is a tough task for a young quarterback with a terrible offensive line. Not bad, terrible, especially at yeah. the tackle spots. Yeah. So uh, that, that's a little bit concerning for me. Uh, let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I know that this guy has been in the news a bunch specifically for this particular topic. Will Josh Jacobs be used more in the receiving game? Maybe not 60 catches, but will he be used more in the passing game this year? Yeah, I mean, he proved that at Alabama he can do it in his limited role there. I, I don't think they really needed him last year to do that. I think they wanted to keep it as simple as possible for him, but he's got the, the ability to do that. They're kind of making him the superstar of that team, and I think he could push 50. I don't know about 60, but I think he pushed 50. I know there's other guys there, but – they want the ball in his hands. He's too damn dynamic not to. And John Gruden doesn't give a damn about wearing him out and giving him touches. He proved that last year just in the run game. Yeah, I think he is. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think Josh Jacobs now maybe like cautionary tale, not 60, right? But maybe close to that, even even 45, 50, you know, getting up in that range. He's a very dynamic player and it would be a disservice for that football team not to go in that direction. And I think that's why Gruden will do that and, and he'll be a huge part of this offense. So I know that we, we joked when he initially said this to be careful what players say, because again, they're not calling the plays, but there's something to this just because it makes the most sense for this football football team and that's why I buy into it more the addition of these young receivers too of rugs going deep and they want to play action off of a run first game what you're going to get is a play action to him and him running in the flat that just got opened up by rugs going deep and he's going to be there for a check down as Jamie alluded to yesterday <laughs> check downs anonymous <laughs> I mean that's I think there's going to be a lot of plays there that if they don't they won't take the shot to rugs or if they get a little more pressure too fast if he can develop that part of his game, yeah, I think there's easily going to be 45, 50 catches there. Yeah, I'm a little bit more conservative. I do think he'll have more catches. I think he'll be more in the 30 to 40 range. But either way, they're going to well, – this is one of the ones I'm very curious to watch early in the season. Are they scheming up additional ways to get the ball in Josh Jacobs' hands that's not just handing him off the ball? And I think we'll know pretty early in the season whether that's going to be the case or not or, or whether or not he's coming off the field in certain situations like he did last year. So uh, I'm really curious to see that because, uh, you know, he's – my updates are coming out on uh, on Thursday, my, my last Eisner board update before drafts this weekend. And, and he's, because of some things that have moved around, he has moved into RB1 territories, my RB12 right now. So uh, I'm excited to see. And that's with a, a fairly conservative catch projection. So he has some upside there. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers and let's stay with the running back. Let's talk about Austin Eckler. Will he hold up with the increased workload this year? I don't know, man. I go back to last year when he was the guy. He was terrible. He was so much better in a complimentary role than he was when he was the guy. Which makes me like Jackson a little bit here. And I think Jackson's probably getting underplayed. They're going to want to run it. They, they want to throw some screens and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know running between the tackles and Anthony Lynn's offense. That's why I said I love Fournette going there. Uh, or Jackson, who's a slasher, who's been really successful. Those two together, I like, but I don't know that he's going to hold up, man. That, he's the one guy that scares me that's a consensus first-round pick or, you know, early second-round pick that I got serious concerns about him holding up. And he, can he be the guy when he's the guy? They paid him to be. They think so. But, and yeah, I know he's strong, but he's little, man. Running between the tackles is different than Phillip Rivers dumping it off in space in the flat. Maybe it's just because I watched Hard Knocks last night and I watched him jump over uh, a ridiculous amount. They, they had this competition. For those of you who haven't watched Hard Knocks, so, sorry, cover your ears, spoiler alert. But he, they have this Ladanian Tomlin test, right? And they stack five, five of these pads. I don't know how else to describe them. And you got to jump over them. And I'm looking at Austin Eckler, and, and Anthony Lynn says it on there. He goes, there ain't no way he's doing that. And his little ass goes and jumps over it. They're basically practicing jumping over a pile, right? And he is so athletic, as small as he is. He is so athletic, and he is so dynamic. And I know that, like, obviously, you have to have more analysis than I saw him jump over a pile, right? I get that. But I am excited about him, and I think that they're going to be cautious about how they use him in conjunction with Jackson and maybe Joshua Kelly or some of these other guys that are down the depth chart that uh, their head coach, who was an undrafted free agent running back a long time ago for the Denver Broncos, made the roster and ended up winning Super Bowls. Like, I think there's, they're, they're going to move it around to make sure that he does stay healthy because they did pay him already, right? Like they paid him to be the guy and I think they're going to use him properly. 
Now, what does that mean for you fantasy-wise? He's the guy that's kind of on the fringe at the end of the back of the first round of some of these guys that we talked about. He's not a guy that we looked at like Melvin Gordon, what, two years ago, Jamie, you had him in what, top three, four top guys? Five. Yeah, I think it was yeah that's, five not where, that's not where Austin Eckler is, at least not for us. So I think that's the proper amount of cautiousness when you look at him is you didn't instantaneously go, okay, he's going to be the high end of what Melvin Gordon was, at least not from my perspective. Maybe no. other fantasy analysts have him that high. I think the best case scenario here is they use him the same way they have been. Uh, yeah. I, I think that I, look, Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly are not Melvin Gordon, No. but they can be close enough to allow them to operate that offense in a similar fashion. And they're going to need to rotate Eckler out of the games. And that's fine. He's been plenty productive in that scenario. And I think that's the most encouraging thing to me. I would be more worried if they try to use Austin Eckler, like they did in that one London game way back when, when Gordon was a late scratch where if they try to use him as that traditional, we're going to hand the ball to him 22 times and then throw, he'll break down. I know he's built like a bowling ball, but he's going to break down at some point. Use him the way you have been, which is early, often in passing downs with multiple backs on the field. Let somebody else get 10, 12 touches between the tackles, and they'll be fine. Justin Jackson's been a damn good player in the short spurts. He's been given that opportunity to succeed. Joshua Kelly can be groomed into that role a little bit as the season goes along and he gets a better grasp of the offense. Tyrod Taylor will, as long as he is starting, will help open up things for running backs a little bit as well. So they're in a good spot if they use him similarly to the way they have before. If they try to turn him into a bell cow back in the traditional sense, you'll be, you'll be happy the first few weeks, but then you're not going to have him late in the season. And I just don't think that things that are missing here from us, but we need to talk about, and from other, every other fantasy analyst that has him ranked, Ken Wisenhunt's gone. This isn't the same offense, new offense coordinator. They want to run it downhill. They want to run it between the tackles. So to say they're going to use him the same way, this isn't the same offense. Philip Rivers is gone. Who was with Ken wasn't for all those years. and was a coach on the field. I'm not really sure what to expect. Is Tyrod going to be in the shotgun? Is he like that more? He did in Cleveland, but who knows? It's different offense from that too. I'd love to say they're going to use him like they have in the past, but they paid him like a three-down superstar. He's True. top six in, the league in, in Cheddar. Yeah. That means you're going to be getting the ball more regardless, and they think he can do that. That's, that's where my concern is. If they use him like they've used him in the past, cool. He's a mid to late second rounder for me. I'd still rather have Aaron Jones and – Mixon yep. and yep. Jacobs and yep. some of the other guys that are Chubb, Chubb that are right there with him because I think they're a little bit safer. I think he could break down. But I just, I, to me, there's too many questions here. I'm not real sure what this offense is going to look like. Yeah, he's, he's a fascinating player to talk about, actually, because there are all these questions. New quarterback, new offensive coordinator, new running mates in the backfield, new quarterback. Better offensive like line. I like that part. Yes, yes. that helps. Yeah, they upgraded the offensive line. But uh, we will see how that plays out. Let's move on to the NFC West. We'll start with the Super Bowl runner-ups, the San Francisco 49ers. We've gotten some positive news in the last week about Debo Samuel. Uh, There's at least some optimism he's going to play in week one. I do not think he's going to play in week one. But it does look like he might be able to return sometime in September instead of early October like I was anticipating. But in the meantime, who steps up in Debo Samuel's absence? And is it literally just whoever's healthy by the time they get there? Because – uh, J.J. Nelson's got, got hurt. They end up cutting Jerron Brown. Brandon Ayuk's been dealing with injuries. It seems like everybody, but there's Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis, Trent Taylor. Um, I don't know, some other dude they pulled off the street. There, there are not a lot of pass-catching options outside of George Kittle right now in San Francisco. Is there anyone you feel like you can trust early in the season? Uh, it's I like Bourne. Bourne was really good in the red zone last okay. year. He's healthy. And look, coach, I said coaching matters. They're going to scheme it up. They're going to run it. They're going to throw screen passes to Mostert. 
They're going to throw little bubble screens to Kittle and move him out. They're going to change it up week to week, and they're going to go with whoever's there. Uh, if, if IU can play, I love his run after the catch ability. I love that he can get down the field. Uh, I'm loving this Debo Samuel stuff because you go in all these mock drafts. He's like totally forgotten dude that is the dude on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, I mean, I, I think they're going to be trying to get by in September till they can get some of these guys healthy. And some of these training camp injuries that you're banged up tend to change a little bit when it's time to play games. So yeah, we'll for sure. see. But I, I like Bourne, man. Bourne was he's, – he's raw and he was interesting at times, but he was really good in the red zone last year. I think, I think they could scheme some stuff up for him. Yeah, it's tough because it's very much like you're looking at Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, Kendrick Bourne, you know, all these Tavon Austin. You got a bunch of guys, right? And I don't think there's anybody. I think it's going to be very much like how I described what Kansas City will do with that second spot where it's just he's just going to rotate in and out who he needs to play the position. We're not going to know that. And that's not going to come out. And he's not going to go to the media and say, this guy's been looking great in practice. That's not going to happen. Shanahan's going to keep that to himself. He's going to scheme it up week in and week out for how he wants it to be. That's and, and, The difference and, is Kansas City has Tyree Kill next to Kelsey. Correct. We're talking about number one next to Kittle. For sure. Who well, knows week to week. I think, I think IU could be solid. I think Bourne could be solid. And if Debo comes back in mid-September. It's amazing if other, he does. And those other guys. Now, if you're talking about – Ayuk being a two and Bourne being a three and Debo's their one with Kittle and Mostert. And now they're running to full, not they're running to full speed. I like that. Yeah. I think the Niners will be able to figure it out for their football team for fantasy. It's going to probably be a disaster. I know everyone's yes. on the Ayuk train, but uh, I actually, I think Kendrick Bourne is one that I I'm also very interested in. I'm very interested to see how they line up in the red zone as well. Uh, because thinking about Kittle, Jordan Reed, uh, and Kendrick Bourne all in the red zone. Those are some pretty interesting mismatch opportunities. And if you see who they play week one, they're going to have some success with their tight ends most likely. So uh, they're playing the Arizona Cardinals. So Isaiah Simmons can't cover everybody. So we will see how that, uh, how that works out. But uh, I'm probably not taking any Niners receiver that's not Debo Samuel as a stash at the moment. But if you're in a really deep league, Kendrick Bourne would be my choice of that group. Down in Seattle, let's talk about a guy we're all big fans of. But there obviously are a few little reasons to be concerned because of a hip injury late in the season and because of the fumbling issues. Will Chris Carson be the starter throughout the entire season for Seattle? The entire 16 games? No. Yes. Or, well, for the, like if he misses a game, but is he going to be considered the lead back when he is active for the entire season? Yes. Yeah. I, yes. I, I think he's Tiki Barber's way into kind of figuring this thing out. If he's smart at all, he would have figured out walking you know tiki remember tiki holding it on his shoulder yeah. after that one bad year like he was really running with it like this like he figured it out right he spent the entire offseason and that's what it that's what it was uh yeah i i love him i don't necessarily love him in a ppr format because he just doesn't get a lot of catches but they run the crap out of it it goes through him they want to play action off of that with russell uh yeah i, I think he's the guy i mean i think carlos hyde's going to get some carries he's going to be there but i don't think he can touch him chris carson's dynamic when he's out there yeah. and he's healthy He's never always healthy. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, he's maybe I'm higher on him because I know what the upside is. Um, Cause I've rostered him and, and watched the good with the bad. Right. But I think the fumbling issues can be contained or at least he, he, I would hope that he spent a lot of this off season working on holding on to the damn football. Um, I'm not in the, I've gotten this question a lot. I know Jamie, I think you have as well. The Carlos Hyde, like how scared are you? I think Jake said it. Carlos Hyde is going to be a thing, but it's not going to be a big thing. 
I don't think I don't anticipate Carlos Hyde taking the job from Chris Carson. I just don't think that that's going to happen because I think Chris Carson's too good of a football player to allow for that to happen. And the Seahawks need him, quite frankly. Um, and they, you saw what that team looked like down the stretch and into the postseason without him. I mean, they needed him there and could have. This is this is Jamie's Ronald Jones. The yes. only way this isn't Chris Carson's job is it's if Chris, Chris Carson screws yep. it up. Either one hundred percent two or three times in a game. Now, if he goes out in week one and fumbles twice and Carlos hides a thing in the second half, he's going to be sure. a thing all year. Yep. But that's all on Chris Carson. So, yep. no, I mean, if he doesn't, he might be in the top three or four in rushing yards for the years out. I mean, yeah. If he gets placed in games, he's going to be up there with total number of carries, touchdowns, and rushing yards. Where you're able to draft him, I'm willing to take the risk because it is a little bit of a risk, right, that you're, that you're going to get him to not – do what you said in, in game one. I get that. I understand, but you're not drafting him as a top five running back. So I think where you're getting him now, you can get him knowing that, okay, I'll take the, what I would say about 20% risk that that first scenario plays out. I'm willing to risk it because he's not going to be my first running back. That's, that's basically decent, how it fills decent out. Decent floor, huge ceiling. 100%. RB two, or if you're lucky enough flex. Yep. You yep. could have, you could hit a home run. He's like, uh, you know, Jamie's, 20 things for, for 2020, which is awesome, by the way. The David Johnson thing, he could win you your league Absolutely. if he can be what he can be. We, I mean, there's a, there's a big question there, but I like both of those guys as a chance to say, okay, if they both hit it out of the park, you're going to be kicking people's asses as you're two, running RB2 in your flex. Yeah, I have Carson right now as my RB17. So uh, I, I, like, I like him a lot. I'll take a chance. Um, I still think even if – Look, if he's out there, even if the fumbling issues come back up again, I, we, we could see Hyde early, Penny late, eat into the work. They're not going to sit him down. They didn't sit him down last year in that, that first full game. I mean, he and Penny both had big performances. It's not what you want, but I, I don't think the downside here, if he has a fumbling issue, is that he just doesn't play. Like, I, I don't think that's what's happening. So uh, I would Penny's take my chance on him. Yeah, I, I take my chance on that. No, he's not, but. I, I'm not it, convinced that, that first year off an ACL and it was late. Yeah. I'm not, who's that going to be a thing right. anyway? Like I, right. that's no, one of the worst organizational graphics. decisions that they've done. And everybody knew it at the time too, but we, we don't have to get into that because we don't have enough time to talk about all Seattle's mistakes. But uh, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams for a moment and stay in the backfield. How will backfield reps be distributed? Three guys there right now, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, who's dealing with a little bit of a soft tissue injury and Malcolm Brown, the forgotten man who I continue to remind people is still probably going to get the most touches out of the gate. How do you, what do you think? How do you think who's going to end the year with the most touches? Is there anybody you're particularly pegging out of that group that you want to target in the middle to late rounds of your drafts? What do you guys think? Malcolm Brown's going to get him early. He's probably going to lead him in red zone touchdowns. Henderson, they're going to try to make a thing, but I think he ends up third in touches. And I think Cam Akers ends up being the guy by the end of the season who is really coming on strong. And a guy that we're talking about next year is one of these late first, early second round picks as a three down back explosive, not shifty like Dalvin Cook, but coming out of Florida State, a little bit bigger, but catches it nice. Um, I think he'll be the thing later on, but I think they're going to go a little conservative early, and that's Malcolm Brown. They're going to try to make Henderson a thing, but I think he maybe is more of a pass-catching thing. Uh, I just don't know. He, he, something's off there. I'm not real sure what's going on with him. Soft tissue. Never really developed last year, uh, but I like Cam Akers. I think there's a lot of potential there. I think he's the guy before the season's over with. 
Yeah, I'm in total agreement with Jake. Not much else to add there. I just think, uh, as Jamie has said, reminder that Malcolm Brown is there and a thing. And, uh, and I don't especially... think he's going to go away either. Mm, no, he's... Cam Akers is I doing totally agree. Especially inside the 10. Yes. Yep. So that's just something to be aware of. Cam Akers is the back I want, obviously, in Dynasty. And I think I want long-term, like back half of the year, where he could be a flex play for you. And maybe best-case scenario, he's an RB2 type scenario, and you could throw – I don't think he's going to be in as good of a spot as DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, as we talked about. I don't think he's as quite no. as good as those players either. Uh, but we will see. But Malcolm Brown, I think, is, is a really solid value right now. Maybe, maybe a sneaky early DFS play um, in the year, because I, I do think he's going to get some red zone touches. Last one, let's talk about the, the team that is where we live locally, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he was spotted earlier, or I guess last week, in a walking boot. But even before that, there was always the question, can Kenyon Drake be a bell cow back? They paid him, at least for this year. He's only on a one-year deal as such. Can he be that option for them? Because he has not been a full-time starter since he's been in the league. No, he can't be a bell cow back, but it doesn't matter because this offense doesn't need one and doesn't want one. And Chase Edmonds is still a thing. And if they need hard, tough yards, that's going to be Chase. Um, but he's going to be 80% of what you got last year when he exploded on the scene and went flipping nuts, right? I don't think they're going to run it as well as they did when they switched to 12 personnel because I think they shocked a lot of people when they did that. They went from four wides to two tight ends, and all of a sudden they're running the ball. But Chase Edmonds had a monster game last year, and I know they like him a lot. He's going to get carries. He's going to spell him. Go back to your projections, Jamie. He's not going to touch it more than 14 or 15 times, maybe 18 with some catches. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be 80% of what he was last year. But no, he's not a bell cow back, and he doesn't need to be. No, and I will caution everybody, as we did last year, and many people did not listen, um, ask Matthew Barry about how Chase Edmonds made him feel last year. Uh, Because if you actually pay attention to football – and you actually know these depth charts, and you actually listen to the coaching staffs, you would know that Chase Edmonds was a thing last year, and he's going to be a thing again this year. So stop trying to put Kenyon Drake into it. I've seen Cardinal fans are like, oh, he could be a top five guy. No, it's not happening. He's not going to get the ball enough, and Chase Edmonds is a thing. And Eno Benjamin, who played at ASU, is going to be in that room as well. He's going to make the team, and he's going to be a part of this room, and they're going to they're gonna move the ball around, and you got Kyler Murray who's going to be running the football as well. Just I, listen, I get it. You can be excited about Kenyon Drake, but exactly how Jake said it. Do not put the lens on of what you saw in a small sample size and go, I'm going to get – three to four touchdown version of Kenyon Drake each and every week, you're going to get 75 to 80% of that because that's what he can handle to stay healthy. And Oh, by the way, Chase Edmonds is still there and will be a thing. And please look up Matthew Berry having an absolute meltdown. If you don't know what I'm talking about. And also please look up my article on the DraftNetwork.com breaking down Kenyon Drake in a season long projection. Uh, my, my, in my updated rankings are going to come out Thursday. He's going to be my number 25 overall player. Uh, he's going in the first round in a lot of drafts. So that's obviously, yeah, no, I'm not going to get many, many shares of him at, at that price. But uh, if you want to take him late second, I think that's fine. Uh, but understand that he's going to get some amount of limited touches. He'll have a fine season. I just don't think he's going to have a first round type of season. So beware. beware I like Eckler better than I like Kenyon Drake. When we're talking about other guys. Significant. I yeah. like a little more that are like more conservative ways to go. Those two both have a lot of questions of what we're going to get. I've seen more from Eckler than I've seen from Drake. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to see as much, but they're both going to be limited touches. Who can do the most with it? I think he's going to have an awesome year. I think there's going to be some serious explosive plays because this offense is going to catch people not knowing what the hell's coming at times. And I don't think it's going to be week to week, at, but I think it's more of the passing game that is going to be at the running game. And that yeah. sometimes highlights an issue that we as a fantasy community have where we set expectations for guys at their absolute peak and then get disappointed when they don't reach them. And there are a few players in particular that are in that spot. I think Kenny Drake is one of them. Um, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on, on some levels is one of them, although it makes more sense now because at least he's going to be the guy than it was before when Damian Williams was still there. But understand that you, when you set expectations at a player's peak, there's not a lot of room for value and there's a lot of room for disappointment. Now, if they hit that peak, then you got your return. But it's just that buying him in the first round is saying best case scenario plays out over the course of the entire season. And I just don't think Jamie, let me ask you this. Like so my, my round one, round two guys, I don't like spikes. I don't like 30 points, 10 no. points. I want 20 points every week, round one, round two, conservative stars that I know their role. Both of those guys, and now Eckler, a little less of a wiggly line, right? Yeah. I think Kenyon Drake's going to be an up and a down and an up and a down. There's going to be some flash, phenomenal freaking plays. But I think there's going to be some weeks where he has like nine carries, four catches, and it was blah, and you took him in the first round. You cannot – to me, you cannot win with that in your first or second round guy. No, and if you're going to take a spike guy, you have to take a true, like, league-winning spike guy. Like, to me, I think on some levels, like, Derrick Henry is a little bit like that because he is so touchdown-dependent, especially in PPR formats. But the likelihood that – first off, Derrick Henry is going to get a gajillion carries. If he's out there, he's getting the ball. And two, he's more likely, based on past history, to get that touchdown work. Like, and so I am more likely to take a risk on him, even in a PPR format, than, than the Ecklers, than the uh, Kenya Drakes of the world. So you have to kind of look at that individually. But that is a good point, and it should be looked at when you're looking at rankings, looking at guys. Like I know this year one of the biggest QB sleepers is Daniel Jones because of his spikes last year. But go back and look at Daniel Jones' season. He absolutely killed you as often, more often than he helped you. And you have to kind of understand that you don't really want, unless you're in a best ball league and he's a second option, which then at that point you absolutely want a player like that. But you don't want the, the, the high peaks four weeks and then the major valleys for six weeks and then two okay games. Like that, that, no. absolute, that will drive you insane. And you can't necessarily predict it, but there are certain players that lend to that sort of style. And Kenny Drake has that, which again, I am fine with if you're taking him outside of the top 20. I'm, at that point, everybody's got warts. And there's other things you have to deal with. But taking him in the top 12, I, I can't subscribe to that. Yeah, there's yeah, – I, I almost like Le'Veon Bell better. I feel, I feel more comfortable with Le'Veon Bell's overall yearly performance than I do what I'm going to get from Kenyon Drake. They might end up being close point-wise. Week in, week out, I know what I'm – it's all going around him, right? And then David Johnson's the opposite of the, the Henry argument because he gets yeah. it all in the passing game, right? Like he might have 12 catches. But he's going as like RB 22. Like at that price yeah. – you could take the like, risk. I'd rather take somebody else where I'm going to take Drake that's more conservative and then take a flyer on David Johnson or somebody like that if it's going to end up being my flex that could hit monster home runs in a PPR format. So right now, Kenny Drake is down. Uh, I dropped into my RB14. That's where he sits for me in the rankings. Literally one spot above Le'Veon Bell, who's the name you brought up. Uh, and their projections are two points apart for me. So, I mean, I, got, I think those – Look at the draft ADP of Kenyon Drake right now versus Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think that they're almost identical in terms of value, and they're going two-plus rounds full apart. Yeah, drafts. which is why all of us in, on this podcast would take Le'Veon Bell, because it's about the value alongside what you're going to get. That, I mean, that's, that makes that conversation – that puts a nice bow on the conversation for the NFC West co- 
questions because that's knowing that that is the difference that you're splitting hairs, but you're talking about two other players you can draft in between. That's massive difference for, for value as far as value goes. Final thoughts on today's podcast. We've reached the end. Jamie, I'll let you go first. I think my final thoughts are looking ahead to our Friday show uh, because in less than two hours from now, we are having our TDN premium fantasy draft. Uh, Paige is picking number one. Jake is picking number two. I'm picking number eight. And then we have nine other TDN premium members in this league. It's going to get referenced a lot on this show because uh, I think it's going to be really exciting to interact with a lot of our listeners and a lot of people that are TDN premium subscribers. But uh, this one's going to be for real. I know we did a mock draft on the show last week, a three-round mock draft that Paige, uh, Paige is like, silhouette participated in but she didn't this is for real this is the one that there's bragging rights there's going to be a lot of shit talking throughout the season so this is going to be very interesting when we break this down tomorrow of what our thought process was what players we got that were sniped from us surprises because these are listeners of the show they, they they've heard all of these things i am very curious who's going to fall to me at number eight because i hate my draft spot right now i'm sure Paige and jake already know who they're taking at one and two but yep for me, it's going to be a mystery. And I want to see if somebody drops to me or if I'm going to be forced to do the thing that they absolutely do not want to do and take a receiver there. Uh, I'm really excited to see how this plays out and us to break it down on our show on Friday. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to skip over Jake for final thoughts real quickly to give you my final thoughts. My final thought is I'm turning my commissioner card into myself because I'm the commissioner and I'm choosing Christian McCaffrey, number one overall. Oh, not David is, Montgomery? Oh, oh yeah. no, not David Montgomery. Uh, Jake, your final thoughts on today's podcast. Uh, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and you'll see after my draft of everything I've been talking about. I'm going to leave you two with that. But I know who I'm taking pretty much rounds one, two, three, four, and five. I did 50 mock drafts from the number two position <laughs> yesterday when we announced it. And it was almost the exact same thing like clockwork of who was falling in those spots. And I felt pretty damn good about it. And I cannot freaking believe we are almost a week away know, from the good. NFL kicking off. Oh. It's unbelievable. This time next like I'm, I, I'm getting real excitement now. This time next week, Jake and I are breaking down lines. Yeah. For God games. bless. Like, I mean, Pretty that's, that's going to be, that's going to be really, it's, it's weird. It's because of the no preseason, it kind of always made it feel like the regular season's further and further away than it actually is. Like, it feels like it's, even though I know the dates, I've had that, you know, September 10th date in my head for a while now, but it just feels like it's sneaking up on us. Yeah. Uh, very, very excited. Uh, my final thought again, because Jake gave me two, I got to respond to this is that Jake thinks he knows what's going to happen, but I will have two picks ahead of him when it comes around in the old wait. draft. So there's, can't there's no wait. chance he's getting everything that he thinks he's getting. Cause I'm going to get two I picks. Multiple Jake and I stuff. did this last year. I'm glad I don't have to deal with this year. Yeah. YouTube's problem. Can't wait YouTube's. to snipe. Can't Your YouTube's. YouTube's. <laughs> Jake, YouTube's. I'll get everybody New York. Yeah, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie. Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy. Be sure to check everything out on the draftnetwork.com. And for our premium members who are listening, uh, may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.